This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 164. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. My name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com, and I'm joined, as usual, by Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. Lisa, how are you today? I am great. How are you? I am doing never better. So this is a show about colored pencil where we discuss colored pencil and anything surrounding the artist. So we're doing a continuation again, talking about the same topic that we started last week. So things I wish someone would have told me earlier. Is that what we named it, Lisa? Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. We go back and forth a lot on what we're going to <laughs> we name We keep changing something. the title. <laughs> right. Our first one here is start doing commissions for friends and family, even while you're learning. And now I'm going to say this with a caveat because it depends on how well your end product is. And so what I mean by that is you have to kind of know your value. You have to know if if it actually looks like the person that you're drawing, if it you know is resembling of the portrait that you're drawing from, the reference, or if it's a pet or something like that. It, it really does have to look like a, a nice portrait in order to start, you know, really earning something. Because here's the thing, if you're learning and you know you're progressing and you're still in that stage of just learning and your skill level is going to increase, then you don't want a lot of bad copies hanging around. You don't want a lot of original art that was, you know, something that is subpar to what you're doing later on. And you can kind of know when you're on a journey, when you're still learning, that kind of thing, if you're still iffy on a lot of things. But the reason why I suggest this, this is exactly what I did. And I started doing commissions very early for friends and family. But I knew kind of where I was at my tipping point, where I knew I was still learning a little bit of things regarding my technique and things like that. But I knew that my work was good enough in order to earn money while I was learning certain things. And so I think it's a good way to go. Uh, I've heard of a lot of other artists doing this as well. I didn't know as a thing while I was doing it. I just thought, hey, I'm just going to do this. And it worked out. And actually, people just came up to me and asked me, hey, do you do commissions? Because they saw uh, some other drawings that I had done. And so it just kind of worked out that way. But I think it's something, especially if this is the direction you're wanting to go in your art business, that you can explore and you can start talking to people and letting it be known that you are taking uh, you are taking commissions. Put it on your business cards. If you're doing things in a physical location, if you've got, you know, if you're doing fairs or something like that, if you're out there in the public eye, that sort of thing. Or if you're online, put it on your website. Make sure it's very prominently displayed on your website that you do take commissions. And, you know, don't make it a guessing game for somebody. Just make it real obvious that this is the direction that you're going. And then help them, you know, by letting them know what the prices are, you know, be real clear about that. But you can get referrals, a lot of referrals and recommendations based on, you know, they've had one done and then they're going to talk to their friends about it. Their friends and family are going to see the commission that you did for them. They're going to contact you as well. It helped me in that regard for actually about two to three years just doing family and friends. 
That's yeah, I what get I it recommend. a little bit different than John. Um, I worked through this. I did commissions for family and friend, but they weren't paid commissions. <laughs> they were more like they were Christmas <laughs> gifts. Or, but the nice oh, right. thing was, I could go take photos. But of that's good too. My yeah, I would go take photos of like my grandmother's dog. I didn't have money at the time to give her to go shopping for a nice gift, so I painted her dogs for her. It was actually a terrible painting. I did my best, but there were. It needed some yeah, but she so probably she, she probably didn't it. She feel still like has that. it yeah, hanging on yeah. her wall. She doesn't even right. have those dogs anymore. You know, twenty years later, but she still has that painting on her wall, which is I am slightly embarrassed every time I go over there and see it. But that's definitely you know that's a way to go. Another way that you can go for me, I was never comfortable. Like I don't really like doing artwork for friends or family that is paid. I'm just it's one of those lines that I personally and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. If you do, I was never really a big fan of that myself. So I did it a little bit different. I either said, give me money, a gift card for Michaels or Hobby Lobby, you know, get me art supplies. Like I went early on, it is okay to work in trade. I have hundreds, well over a hundred anyway, fancy martingale because sighthounds wear a certain type of collar. And for those of you who don't know, I have two Italian greyhounds. And I really, I mean, those collars will run you anywhere between $20 on up through 50 or more sometimes. So those collars can get really expensive. They've got the fancy brocade and they're really, those really thick, nice sighthound collars. I didn't have the money to be buying those, but I really wanted some. So I was friends with some people who made them or dresses or sweaters. My dogs wear a lot of sweaters because they're, well, they're Italian greyhounds. They're cold all the time. So I would do trades. I would do portraits of my friend's dog and they would in trade make these really nice collars for me. So what I did as a trade there is whatever the value of the collar, what you would normally sell full price is what I would sell full price. You know, we're going to do an even trade. It's basically like store credit for each other. And everyone left that deal happy enough so that we kept doing it. The amount of clothes and collars I have for my dogs because of this is insane. But you can do trades for commit like in turn of commissions, still getting practice. And the great thing about that was even if I did something free for a family member or a friend, their friends would see that. And especially now with social media, even more so than before. So then their friends would come to me and want to buy those. And so it was bringing me in business, doing the work that was not necessarily some of it was free and some of it was for trade, but it would bring work back into me, like actually giving stuff away or again, trade. I got paid commissions because of it. So like, and I, while I was still learning, I was still fairly new to to pet portraits, but people still wanted them. Mm -hmm. So that worked out really well for me. I think it's funny what you mentioned early on there. um, And I have a recent thing that happened very similar to that, where you do something, you feel like it's not your best work and someone loves it. They ended up loving it, you know, and you're kind of embarrassed. You're slightly embarrassed by it. You know, that happened to me recently and they may listen to this. So I'm not going to (laughs) say who it is, but it's just like I, I was I nearly didn't even give it to them because I thought, oh, this is not my best work. And I was just humiliated a little bit, you know, and it's like, okay, I'm just going to do it anyway. They love it. They've sent me messages. They they took pictures of where they have it on their wall and emailed it to me and things like that. And like, okay, I guess they do love it. You know, they really do. Isn't that the point of art anyway? I mean, we get, I think, so wrapped up and caught up in it needs to be our best in order to be worth it. If it's not my best, I'm going to throw it out. Yeah, because that's us. I mean, 
Right, because that that's, I mean, we're, perf- well, I'm a perfectionist. I think a lot of artists are, you know, and so we just judge ourselves harshly. I learned yeah. this early on when I was doing outdoor, like, art walks. Um, when I was at the Pomona Art Colony, I would see this a lot. I'd have my artwork all set up, si- uh, up outside of the gallery that I was displaying in. And I remember people walking by and I had, they'd be drawn, like, several times I'd have people drawn to the least of my work, like, what I thought was least impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And I had one woman crying over it because it touched yeah. her so much it was dolphins apparently she really liked dolphins but this woman was in tears she was so moved by this painting it's so which funny. i i don't see but yeah. she did and it's like that that is the point i mean yeah. that that's it you don't don't throw out right. things that you think aren't good enough because somebody is going to love it yeah and the one that you poured your blood sweat and tears into yeah, people just pass over they glance and like oh yeah. whatever yep. you know that's <laughs> so funny how that works our next tip everything is going to take longer than you think it will and this is especially important yes. when it comes to commissions or if you have a deadline yes. of any sort so what I one tip that an artist gave me early on is however long you think a commission is going to take you add two weeks Tell the person who you're who is hiring you it's going to take, you know, you think it's going to take a month. Okay, tell them it's going to be six weeks then. Because if something comes up, you get sick, something happens. I mean, when somebody hi- hires you too for a commission, you have to understand their side of things. They're excited. They want to get that. They can't wait to have a piece of your work. And when it keeps getting put off, it, something keeps happening, it's disappointing to them. And anytime that somebody's disappointed in buying a luxury item, I mean, you're kind of killing the experience for them overshoot that. Tell them it's going to take six weeks instead of the month that you think it'll take. If it takes a month and you get it out to them early, they're even happier. But don't don't tell them, okay, I think it's going to take a month. So that's the estimate. You know, it'll be done by this date. Add time to that. It will always, something will come up. You don't feel well, family emergency, whatever. Allow for that when you give them that time estimate. Uh, yes, it's so true. I I double it is what I do because I know myself and I just have to double it whatever time I think in my mind. And I I put a very long time frame in my mind, and then I just try to double that now because it just takes me a lot longer. Uh, but the thing about this point is is that it's not only your artwork. It's everything else that you do in your art business as well. Everything is yeah. going to take longer than what me, you think. Me, boxing and packing things is my big thing. That takes yeah. It always takes me longer to get things shipped than I think it will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and you want to. I, I just really want to encourage you to look at it from the buyer's perspective. I know it's easy to get frustrated that they're being impatient with us, and I've seen so many artists post online rantings about clients who are being—they're not understanding because I have this health issue, and I was in a car accident, and I was this, and I was that. Doesn't okay, matter. people are going to understand really to an extent, but when it happens time and time again, and you are full of this happened, and now that happened, and now this happened. The the buyer is going to hit a point where they just think you're lying to them. You may you may not be. I don't know, but that's understandable that they start thinking that because you get to a point where it's like, okay, how many things did this person really have happen? So if you just overshoot how long you think it'll be, it can avoid a lot of problems and a lot of frustration on both part. But I think that that creators, I mean, I as an artist, always you know want to side with the artist, but we've got to be realistic. And I've seen just a lot of artists be realist, unrealistic, and not treated as a business where you've got a deadline. You, I mean, if you called the cable person out and they told you they were going to be there on Monday and they never showed up 
and they had one excuse after another for weeks on end, is that not going to start getting on your nerves? I mean, yeah, it happens. I think we've all had that happen. But does it not start irritating you? The, the excuses, the reasons may be valid, but it's still going to start irritating you. And that's what the buyer is going to feel. And you want this experience for a buyer to be positive and happy and exciting. And when you disappoint them, you're killing a bit of that fun for them. And what do we say when the cable man doesn't show up or some other service is not rendered properly? We say what? It's unprofessional. And it is. And if we do that to our own business, you know, we're cutting off our nose to spite our face because it's unprofessional. We don't, they don't need to know all the personal things that yeah. go on in our life. They don't need to know that. It's a sore spot with me a little bit because um, I waited way too long to get my actual signs for Sharpened Artist on my building and on the signpost out here done and the guy had a hundred excuses every time and it was like i i didn't even ask for any excuses i did i just asked where we were on the project you know and if he just had tell me all these personal things that were going on i was like oh wow don't just don't do that i never said that to him but i was thinking that and i again it, it helps in some ways it opens your eyes if you know you're someone who does this to your clients, to think about it from that perspective, as you alluded to, Lisa. But it, it helps you to think, okay, that's how I'm looking then, if you're if you're someone who's doing that, you know. Yeah. It's not, not good. Yeah, try to view it from the other side. Because yeah, exactly. Because the, the client isn't just evil for being impatient. You're, prese- you're selling an item that they're paying for. You told them it'd be done by a certain date. Yeah, stuff comes up. So a plan for that in the time that you give them. Add some extra time, and if it's done early, great. But always add that extra time. So next, do things that make you uncomfortable. Now, I'm talking about stretching yourself and going in a different direction. Don't get into just a rut or a pattern that isn't really working for you or is not really getting the results that you want. There's more than one way to do something. And so you have to decide... Uh, okay, is this really working for me? And I recommend just journaling every night if, you know, if it's your art hobby or your art business, whatever. But if it's especially your art business and it's something that you're tracking what you're doing, you're tracking your time, you're tracking, you know, what you're working on, uh, the cost uh, savings of not switching tasks but batching tasks to get together or uh, how much time you are losing by trying to switch tasks and you telling yourself maybe you're good at multitasking, which is a myth. Um, <laughs> then, you know, if, if you're doing that, then you can figure out where these leaks are, where these holes are in your schedule or in the way that you're being productive or not being productive. And so try something different. Now, let me take this example and apply it to even doing artwork, because I think that's another area that we can start to get in a rut uh, if you look at your artwork and you always process through something and your technique is never very, never done any, you've never done anything different, but the way you've always done it, try doing something different in that regard as well. So a lot of times what I like to do is instead of using just the local color and then a darker shade or a darker you know tint of that hue uh, for the local color, in other words, we're doing blue, and then I do a dark blue and a light blue to show variations in shadows or variation in Uh, a contoured edge or something like that instead of doing that create a shadow using the opposite color and using analogous colors and try you know just being a little more creative with your color selections that is one way of doing something different that makes you uncomfortable i mean it's a challenge for you to try to find what other method or technique may push you in a different area different 
uh, way of using your brain. And what happens sometimes when we do that, especially with colors, is that you can uh, make your paintings or your drawings look more alive and look more lifelike. Maybe you're adding a little more realism to them and things were starting to look a little dull and flat. And it could spark a little more enthusiasm in your work for you to just get some of the work done trying something different. And so if you don't like what you've done that's different, then you don't have to keep doing that. But I think it's a good practice to keep your interest, to just make yourself uncomfortable by trying to do something different. Well, and there are like 20 different ways to get to the same end. Exactly. You need to find out which way works best for you. There's no one right answer. The end result may look the exact same. Which way yeah. got you there faster? Which way got you there more, you know, what, or which was, was the more most efficient fun or, or, or more efficient? Yeah, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to, tr- you've constantly got to be experimenting and trying different things. So, next on our list, you actually do not need to tell people how many hours you put into your work. This was a tip that was actually given to me. I know we, we did this things I wish someone would have told me earlier, but somebody did tell me this early on, and it was such good advice. Now, it's a little bit different for me. Being that I teach, it makes sense that you, that you guys are going to want to know how long something took me because as an artist, we look at things different. But as for the general public, general buyers that are asking you how long something took – realistically, we know what's going through their mind. They're trying to figure out how much you make an hour. In so many cases, they're sitting there going, okay, you're charging 150 on this, but you spent two hours on it. Okay, probably not the case for colored pencil because that is a slow medium. But most of the time, you do not need to tell them how long it takes. I would say one of the exceptions to that may actually be colored pencil. If you do spend 120 hours on a piece, it may be worth letting people know that. But if you are very fast at your work, just because you spent two hours on something doesn't mean it can't be good. Okay, with colored pencil, that might actually be the case because normally our stuff takes a lot longer. But just art in general, the concept of like there are certain questions that that people are going to ask you about the art that you don't have. If you're not comfortable, don't an- you don't need to answer it. What a lot of people are doing when they ask, and obviously not everybody, but a lot of people that ask that, they're almost trying to mentally devalue your work. Like it's not really worth that much because it, what it they thought it should have taken 200 hours and it only took you 100 hours and then it must not be worth that price. So one of the ways that you can do this, obviously just saying, I'm not going to answer that, that's just rude. There are better ways to handle that. But you can tell people, you know, I don't keep track. I work on several pieces at once is a really good answer. Or I just don't keep track. It's a lot of time. Um, Another good way to respond to that is I have put 20 years of practice into learning how to do this. So you can leave it at that. You don't have to jump into, oh, I spent spent 20 hours of work on this piece that I'm selling for $1,200. You know, people, when they hear that, they get kind of weird about it sometimes. And they try to value your work based on the amount of time you put into it. And if you are like me and you work very fast, that sometimes can actually hurt you. If you were a slower artist and you did put, you know, 200 hours into something, then it may be okay to tell them. But for the most part, don't feel like you have to answer every question that a buyer asks. And sometimes they're just curious and it's an okay thing to ask, but it's definitely not something that you you should feel obligated that you have to answer. There are ways to be tactful and give them information that can still be interesting. I mean, they want the story. They want more information on the work, but you don't have to tell them that. Yeah, no, good points. And for me, I was thinking, 
it, it depends on you know how it's asked and that kind of thing because it it's true that sometimes they're just curious about the work and the technique and that kind of thing and your motivation. And Usually, other artists like are that. the ones but who are going to be if, most interested in that. It well it depends. It depends on if somebody's just really into your work and they're really into your story and they and they're a collector and they bought before and things like that or they they buy a lot of artwork. But if it's somebody who yeah, if you can tell that they're trying to make a evaluation, you know, do a calculation in their head or something like that. Uh, first off, it's a rude question. It's very rude. Um, and it's a weird one because I, I'm not paid by the hour. And that's an irrelevant question. I'm not paid by the hour. I'm paid by the artwork and what I did produce. That's that's well, yeah, it. You're not that's paying the, the artist yeah. for the two hours or the 10 hours of artwork. You're paying them for a lifetime of experience. Yeah, you're paying them for the value that they created and the enjoyment that you get from that artwork. That's yeah, kind of silly, I think. But, yeah, uh, there are ways to be tactful about it. But I don't know. That one. Yeah, and really if you're actually not aware of this, if you go to art fairs, I actually got on one oh, of my happens. friends. A good friend of mine and I were at an art show not long ago, and she went up to an artist who was doing these amazing gourds. That I mean, this guy had done. They were just so elaborate, and she was. That was the first question she asked. Oh, how long did you put in? How long did this one take? How long did that one take? How long? <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> No, don't don't ask. I'm like, know. I know that you don't mean anything negative by it. Yeah, but you can yeah. tell by his reaction. He was just like, oh, oh here we go, because yeah. um, they are very expensive. Because you know, a lot right. of work went into these. But I had to tell, explain to her, and I mean, she's another artist. She likes to create stuff. She didn't realize that it, as an artist, we oftentimes take that as being kind of a rude. Like that shouldn't be your first question. That shouldn't be where you start that off on. And I told, I had to explain to her. I'm like, I know you don't mean this to be rude, but the artist is going to be put off by that. Like if you're trying to make friends with the artist and you want them to keep talking to you, probably don't start there. <laughs> don't don't, right. don't jump into that. It, it definitely puts the artist off. Might be a good rule of thumb. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I didn't mean it that way. And I was like, I know, I know you. I know you didn't mean it that way, but he doesn't. He right. doesn't want to be your friend now. <laughs> All right, so next, you don't need to spend more money in order to make more money. That may seem maybe counterintuitive, but you may have grown up hearing that kind of adage. And maybe someone said that in the past and said, well, you got to spend more, got to spend money to make money. It's not necessarily the case. Um, if you work smart, if you're resourceful and you think about the overall you know, planning of where you're going, what direction you're headed, and you plan for things, then you don't need to spend more money. I, the reason I bring this one up, I, I hear other newer artists talk about that kind of thing. Well, I just I can't afford all that equipment, or I can't afford all those art supplies right now, and I'm just gonna, you know, I'm 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 not gonna not gonna be selling anything for a while, and I'm not gonna be doing much for a while until I can afford all of that. Then I'll think about doing that. Like some, you know, my ship will come in someday kind of thing. And it's like, no, just start doing what you can with what you have right now. You know, ramp up as you're able to. There is just not a direct correlation to money spent to money earned all the time. So just, I want to just kind of dispel that myth. Isn't yeah, I, gosh, I felt like that for a long time. I felt like if I had money, because I grew up, I was very poor. Um, 
you know, after getting married still, we were not doing well financially for many, many years. And I always felt like if I had more money, I could put the money into the business and that's what's going to. And no, it's not. The work you put into it will make the difference. Yeah, Yeah, you're you're absolutely right there. Don't feel like you have to have money in order to be able to make them. You can do a whole lot without a whole lot. I learned that for sure. Yeah, and it's actually something I think that just holds a lot of people back. Because it, it it's, too, it's a mindset, absolutely. you know. Yeah. It's just something in their mind that's totally false. Yeah. The last tip we've got for you is you are going to have days that you want to give up, that you are like, why am I doing this? You either got a negative comment on social media where someone was being a jerk and told you what you did was terrible. And by the way, we all get that no matter what skill level someone is at. You will always have somebody come by and try to tear you down by telling you what you did was terrible. So don't don't take that per- too personally. That's the internet for you. But, and I mean, some of the best artists in the world, I've seen comments on their work go, telling them how terrible they were. And you're just like, really? So don't take that too personal. But you're going to have days, whether it's because of time, you're tired, you don't feel like you're progressing as fast as you want. You're going to have that happen or you're going to think, and then here's kind of another side thing. It is very common the more you paint and draw, you may feel like you're getting worse, that you're, you're, you're going backwards and that will make you want to give up. Don't. What, ha- what happens in that case, it's kind of a funny phenomenon. We see it with music a lot where you are working so much or with music, you're playing so much. You start noticing the errors you never noticed before. It's not that you're getting worse. It's that you're noticing more. But for whatever reason, you're going to have days where you feel like you're not good enough, that you shouldn't be doing this and that you don't want to do it anymore. If this is something that you enjoy, don't give up. Just don't. Those days hit all of us. Don't That's one up. of the... It's actually one of the saddest things to me, um, yeah. actually, is someone just, an artist just giving up like that. And it reminds me of that Winston Churchill quote. Yes, I'm real cheesy about this kind of thing, <laughs> but I love this one. And it's very simple, but he said, never, ever, 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 ever give up. So I think that's a great place to end. And maybe you want to add something to this list, and we would love to hear that. You can always comment in the show notes over at sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. And if you want to reach out to us through email, that's podcast at sharpenedartist.com. This is a weekly show, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.